Hey everyone, welcome to the How They Made It podcast, a show that's dedicated to helping you make it in the world of fabrication. I'm your host, Jeremy Cross, and this episode, like all episodes, is brought to you by Sawblade.com. No middleman, no markup, no problem. Sawblade.com, go direct. Today I'm joined by David Grangis. David is a metal artist based in Wisconsin. Uh, you can see his work online at dgsculptureanddesign.com. You can also follow him on Instagram at David Grangis Art. That's D A V I D. G-R-O-E-N-J-E-S, art. David, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So usually kind of just like to start at the the beginning. Um, where'd you grow up and, and kind of what were you into as a kid? Yeah, so I grew up in Minnesota, a couple suburbs of the Twin Cities, Bloomington at first and then Woodbury a little bit later, uh, but right around Minneapolis-St. Paul area. And as a kid, I was into anything outdoors. I was in the was in the scouts. I'm an Eagle Scout, uh, so I was doing a lot of camping, uh, a lot of hunting, mountain biking, skiing, just anything that got me outside. That was that was what I loved. I still do. Awesome, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's great. Um, were you into like anything like uh, creative, making things with your hands at that point, or did that that kind of come later on? No, for sure. Um, I was also big into cars, trucks, anything. Anything with four wheels was a a, a big deal for me as a kid. And uh, so I was making little die cast models and plastic models of cars all the time. Um, really big into Legos. When I got a little bit older, I uh, started getting into radio control cars, you know, ones where you build them yourself and always spending way too much money on them. But I think, I think I learned a lot doing that too. So, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I have some friends that do that and it's, it's amazing how fast those, uh, <laughs> those RC cars can go. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, okay. So, so, um, like at, at what point did you kind of start, uh, thinking about, um, sculpture and, and metal art potentially as a, a path that you would want to go down? It was probably right around, let's say 2010, 2012, somewhere in there. So I have an uncle that lives uh, down in Nebraska and he, he had done some really cool metal art, uh, for my grandma's house. And every year, every time I'd go down there, there'd be another sculpture in the yard and it really got me kind of thinking about it and the first couple pieces I did were just presents for family members you know I Christmas was coming up and like man they already got everything else so what can I give them and I'd make something out of metal and you know surprised at how cool they thought it was and I think that's what really started it very cool. So, so at that time, like, did you have, uh, any type of shop? Were you just doing it out of your, your garage? What was kind of like your setup like there? Yeah, we, uh, we lived in town still at that point and I just had a little detached garage behind the house and I would, uh, had a little workbench in there and a crummy old welder and I would just, uh, move the cars out of the garage while I was working so I don't get dust all over them. And I, I'd, I'd sit there in the evenings after my kids went to bed and, and, you know, just create things. And, uh, and honestly, at that point we, we moved oh, about five, six years ago and I didn't really have a place set up to work. So I kind of took a break because I didn't want to just work uh, haphazard like I'd been before. I wanted to wait until I really had a good spot to get back into it. And so I kind of took probably three, four year break from, from really doing anything like that for a while. Wow. Okay. So what was kind of like, like, day job wise, is that something that that's kind of like in the, uh, the fabrication industry or is it completely kind of unrelated? Yeah. You know, not, not really at all. Um, so I actually, I went to college to get a job working in the natural resources. I was hoping to work for the DNR 
and came to found uh, a lot of those positions require you to move around either the state or even the country and we had kind of settled into a spot where we really liked and so I kind of gave up on that and I'd always going through college I worked at an auto repair shop I'd always worked on cars and trucks I liked it and so when I moved out here got a job as a mechanic and then uh Few years later started as a service manager for an auto repair shop and worked there for the last 13 years wow awesome what uh do you guys have like a specialty in terms of the type of vehicles that, that you work on uh there no, it was pretty broad and uh it was it was pretty broad i mean we did we probably did more than we were supposed to i mean we did everything you bring a trailer a camper tractor you know we'd work on it and i found myself in the shop a lot doing some of the odd welding jobs or fabrication things so i guess in that respect i did a little bit at work but it wasn't our specialty awesome and then are you are you still there there now are you kind of have you transitioned full-time to the arts a year ago in april um i left and uh, started doing artwork full-time Wow. Fantastic. Okay. So, so kind of like backing up a little bit, um, talk me through like when you like really kind of started to pursue, uh, the art thing as maybe like a path that would ultimately lead you to kind of where you are now. Yeah. So it's probably, if I think back, I think it was around 2017, I bought a new welder that the welds looked so much nicer and it allowed me to really have more pride in my work and so I started making things because I really liked how it, how it looked now that I had actually had some good welds and I think I sold my first piece of artwork um it might have been 2017 2018 and I thought oh, someone actually wants to buy the stuff I'm making and so I started making more and more um I got into a gallery at that point and it was I mean it's probably it's probably about three years ago where I knew I was going to do this but it was a long journey from there to actually saying, okay, I'm going to do this. Um, I was my, I, I was the only person holding myself back. Everyone else was telling me, do it. You need to do it. And I held myself back for a long time, but finally made yeah. the choice. Talk to me a little bit. Cause like I, I, um, I do uh, a lot of video production and I remember I, I kind of started doing that full time about three years ago. And, and prior to that, I was always really hesitant just to like share work online. Like I didn't feel like it really like stacked up to the stuff that other people were creating. Like, did you have kind of any of those concerns kind of like leading up kind of, you mentioned that you were kind of the one holding yourself back. And if so, like kind of talk to me like uh, what that mindset was kind of like. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, there's a, I'm, I'm going to be starting at a new gallery this year, which I'm really excited about, uh, art gallery in, uh, in nearby. And I, I had wanted to get in there for years, and I had two big concerns. Number one was, how am I going to produce enough work to maybe, you know, keep them stocked with, with artwork? And, and two, is it going to be good enough? You know, is it going to stack up next to the other people's work? And so, you know, I did, um, I'm still pretty new at this, I think. And, you know, things are still changing all the time, but I think it took me just a good couple of years to really get a feel for it and, and kind of develop my own style. Yeah. And then talk to me too, like the, the kind of like your, your time to start. I mean, we're probably, I guess a, a year ago would have still kind of been middle of the, the pandemic, like a lot of uncertainty, like how, yeah. um, how, how concerning was that to kind of like take that leap at that time, leave the security of a stable job to, to go do something on your own? You know, it was, 
it was really tough. You know, the, where finally, where, where it got to me was I felt like I was living two different lives. You know, like there's that movie uh, Avatar and that main character, he, he's got the two different, he's got the stable life he knew and he's got the one that he loves. And I felt like that every morning, you know, I'd come home, I've got three kids. I'd, I'd be burnt out from the, at the end of the day, we'd eat, I'd get the kids in bed and then I had no energy. And I wanted so badly to go build something. And most of the time I just, I couldn't do it. Or if I did, I was up till midnight working out in the shop and then getting up early. And, you know, so it was that over and over and over again. And I finally I had to step back and say, okay, I'm not really happy right now. I mean, I have a good job and I've got this hobby and I don't want to give up the hobby, but the only way I can pursue this hobby is, is to do it full time. And that was the deciding factor for me. Yeah. Were your kind of like initial sales, uh, mostly like local, um, kind of, kind of in the, the surrounding area or, or were you able to kind of like market like nationally and ship stuff out? Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've used some online marketplaces for, for selling. And then as of recent, you know, my Instagram is probably a big driver of, uh, of my success, but I haven't done any art fairs ever. I've never gone to any shows. You know, the work I do, I, it's not everyone is going to buy it. And I, th I think I need to get in the right, if I'm going to do an art show, it's got to be the right one or I'm, I'm afraid I'm just going to maybe waste my time. So a lot of it's been, I, I send a lot of stuff in the mail. I ship things in, you know, semis have to package it up in big crates and send it down the road. But yeah, it's all over the country and all over the world. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, I was been kind of browsing your, your site and your Instagram. It's, it's really, uh, amazing stuff. Kind of talk, talk me through kind of like, uh, the, the type of, of art pieces, uh, that you create and kind of what inspires you. Sure. Well, it, it, the inspiration kind of goes back to nature and being outdoors, uh, most of my artwork is all wildlife sculptures and very realistic. Uh, I, at least I believe it is. So my goal is to make it look as, you know, true to scale and proportion as what a real animal would be, whether it's full size or, or you know, miniaturized. Um, my kids are really big into the outdoors. We kind of live out in the country, so we're always spending time outside, um, spend a lot of time hunting and just enjoying nature. And I think Every time I'm with my kids and they're talking about things like that, or I'm outside, it just gets me fired up to, to want to create even more. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's 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 really really cool stuff. Um, talk me through like a little bit of your your design process. Like, are you one of those guys that like sketches things out? Is it kind of all in your head? Like, how do you go? Because it's it it is very like you said, it's very detailed. It's very lifelike. Like, how do you actually get that from the idea to the the completed project? Right. Yeah. So I mean. A lot of the pieces I use, so it's all metal for the, you know, mainly steel and I'll use anything from, I've got, sometimes it's just industrial scrap. So straight pieces of steel or flat stock, but a lot of it's, you know, old car parts, tractor parts, uh, tools, garden tools, silverware, you know, just whatever kind of fits the piece. So, um, you know, I'll usually have an idea in mind. Sometimes I get the idea from simply looking at a piece that I got at the salvage yard and thinking, you know, wow, that would look really good as the, the leg of a dog or something, you know. And uh, I sketch some of my work, and sometimes I'll do it. I used to do more sketching because when I'd come home when I wasn't doing it full time. But I didn't have the energy to go out into the garage at night when it's cold or whatever. I would sit down in the house where it's comfortable, and I would, I would sketch out what I wanted to do and, and what I thought it might look like when it's done. And maybe 
I'd sketch some of the components that I thought I might incorporate into it. And, you know, in the end, it usually changed quite a bit. Um, I still do some sketching if I'm doing big commission jobs and I need to show somewhat of a representation as to what it might look like when it's done. Uh, for the most part, I just kind of start with a clean slate. I'll have some good photos of the subject that I'm going to uh, sculpt. I'll usually do some scaling. So, you know, for example, a deer's eye, the, the eyes on a deer are about five inches apart. So I'll look at a picture and then I'll scale that out so I get the rest of the proportions proper, things like that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, uh, with your, your customer base now, is it is it mostly commissions? Uh, do you do like kind of your own designs and then sell them after the fact? Like how is that, that dynamic kind of working? I do. I'm probably doing about 50-50 right now where I do commission and then my own. And it's a, that's a really good balance for me because, I mean, granted, I don't take every commission on because sometimes it's just not the right, the right job for me. And I'm, I'm afraid I wouldn't do it justice. But usually I love every job I'm going to take on. Uh, the nice thing is, is I'll usually get a couple commissions and then I'll also be working on a couple jobs that I just want to do and put out there for sale. And it kind of helps with, uh, with me as my, you know, I get to do something I wanted to do and something someone else wanted to do. It also kind of helps with the, the money flow as you know, you get some money down on a commission and then you, you sell a couple of your own things and then you go back to the commission and then, you know, so you've got a, a steady income coming in and you can kind of keep your brain fresh working on different things, not just one thing straight. Yeah. As far as the commissions go, are those usually individuals? Uh, is it businesses like municipalities? Uh, kind of what, what's the dynamic there? Up until now, um, it's almost been um, exclusively individuals. I, am, I do have one uh, finished up here that's going to be going to a municipality. And uh, one, I'm in the process of working out the details on, hoping that that works out. So I'd like to get to the point where I'm doing more of those, you know, really large sculptures where people can see them on a grand scale. Um, right now, it's it's a lot of uh, individuals, though. Yeah. With uh, like the kind of the, the fluctuations in the, the metals pricing, I can imagine kind of for the, the larger uh, pieces, is it is it has it been challenging to um, kind of price those out? Uh, or, or have, have the materials kind of stabilized kind of in, in your area? <laughs> and I don't think so. I hope they haven't stabilized because if they are, they're really high. <laughs> but, you know, I would say 90% of the material I use is recycled metal. So whether it's, whether it's new steel that was leftover scrap from a manufacturing process or whether it's old parts. You know, so I'm usually buying things for scrap price or, you know, some, sometimes people just donate stuff to me, which is great, but I'm always willing to pay for it. Uh, every now and then I do have to buy new steel. And I know I had a couple, a couple of big pieces this last year, actually it was two for municipalities and yeah, it kind of hurt, you know, paying that much, uh, for, for the metal, but at the same token, um, you know, it, it, I guess you got to get it done and it's, it hurts me just as much as it hurts everyone else. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Is, is the, um, uh, using scrap and, and kind of repurposing metals, like, is that a, um, for reasons of like sustainability or, or environmental impact, like, does that ever cross your mind? Uh, or is it kind of like purely just a, uh, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so I, you know, with my background with natural resources and everything, I just hate to see waste. And of course, you know, most of our steel and metal products, Hopefully they get recycled and they get repurposed and, and put back into some raw materials again. But but there's a lot of them that don't. I mean, there's a lot of people that just have stuff behind their house or on an old 
we live in an agricultural country here. So, you know, there's farm machinery that's probably going to sit there until it rots away into the ground and then it's gone. So it's nice for me to be able to take that material and, and reuse it in a way that someone can really enjoy it. It's, you know, it's not just going to go to waste. Yeah. It's like, a, it's a win-win people get a piece they enjoy and it's less stuff in the landfill. That's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Okay. Well, okay. So I want to talk to you a little bit too, kind of about your, your marketing approach. Cause you're, I mean, you have a really good size, uh, Instagram, uh, following. When did you kind of start, uh, building that presence and, and how did you get started with that? So I started on Instagram probably probably three years ago and I, I didn't even know what it was. I'd, I'd been kind of goofing around on Facebook and uh, a friend of mine at work says, you know, you should really use Instagram. So you're going to have to show me what Instagram is because I don't even know what it is. And, uh, you know, so it just started, I'd, I'd, I'd kind of post pictures of some of my work. And next thing you know, a week later, someone comments on one of the pictures. It's like, oh, wow, someone saw it and they thought it was really cool. And then, you know, someone would message you. And, um, you know, then I found I could link, you know, my Instagram to my the online marketplace where I sell. And then, you know, I could link it to my website when I made one. And I thought, well, oh, this is actually, you know, maybe this is a more of a tool than just something to have fun with. And so, you know, I don't put a big focus on followers. It's, uh, I try to just make, you know, I try to take really cool photos or videos of my work. And, um, I try to use relevant hashtags that someone that sees that picture, you know, they might be interested in it. It's not, you know, not bait and switch where all of a sudden they land on this picture and it has nothing to do with what they're looking for. Um, and so, you know, my photography has been, I think, improving over the years, uh, trying to take pictures in better locations and, you know, make them look a little more professional and um, playing around with videos and reels and things to, I guess, garner more attention. But my goal is for, you know, people to get inspired that are doing the same thing that I'm doing. Um, and hopefully generate some business as well. Yeah, absolutely. Have you kind of, um, been kind of ingrained in the like maker community? Like, do you talk to people about different techniques, kind of bounce ideas back and forth? Has that kind of been something that you've experienced at all? Yeah. I mean, there's a number of other specifically metal artists around the country and even around the world that I, uh, you know, have conversations with frequently and it's really fun. Uh, to be able to ask them questions and they'll ask me questions and to see the things they're doing and learn. And hopefully they're learning from me too. And, you know, to really get involved, I, you know, as I do some traveling, I'm hoping that I can meet some of these people in person and, you know, get to know them even better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've, I've been amazed at just how, um, just nice and like welcoming everybody has, has been there. I've talked to you from like woodworkers to metal workers to it's, it's, it's been really, uh, really cool. Um, talk to me a little bit about like, how did you, uh, go about, uh, in terms of like technique, uh, learning like the, the welding side, like were you, were you self-taught? Did you go to, uh, you know, any type of like trade school in the beginning? Uh, how did that come about? You know, I probably learned the most of my welding. I worked at an auto repair shop in college, and the, the shop, he specialized in custom exhaust. So people would come in with a truck, and they'd want dual exhaust, and you had to bend it and make it and make it fit and weld it. And so I didn't probably weld the best then, but that was where I learned how to weld. And you're always in kind of, you know, under a vehicle with a mirror trying to see, you know, what you're welding. And so I learned quite a bit from the owner of that shop how to weld, and then... Um, used to be into restoring older vehicles and trucks. 
and in Wisconsin, they're all rusty. So there was a lot of cutting out metal, welding in new metal. And so I learned a lot on, on that. But I mean, most of the welding I've done, I've just learned along the way. I've never really been, I never had any formal training. Yeah, that's cool. What's your uh, kind of shop look like like now in terms of like the tools uh, that you typically use to, to make your art pieces? <clears throat> yeah, so I don't have a ton of real uh, advanced tools. You know, I've got a really nice welder. I bought a plasma cutter about two years ago. I don't use it nearly as much as I thought I would, but it comes in really handy when I want to. Uh, probably one of the best tools I bought was a little portable bandsaw. Um, you know, when you're cutting or grinding, you're making sparks, you're making dust, you've got stuff flying everywhere. It's loud. You use that portable bandsaw. There's no noise. The debris just falls on the ground. You can sweep it up. So that was a that was a great tool. Um, I just added a fume extractor, so I suck all the weld fumes out, so I'm not breathing as much, you know, dangerous stuff in while I'm out in the shop. So that's good for my lungs. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Sawblade.com, who sponsors this, uh, one of their like their top projects is this uh, portable bandsaw called the Trajan 125, and it's yep, uh, I've, yeah, yeah, I've, I've I've gotten to use it a few times. It's I completely agree. It's it's super handy. Like you can throw it in the truck if you need to. But that that's awesome. Right. That that's a uh, uh, that's a main tool for you. Um, what is kind of like as you think out maybe five, 10, 15 years in the future, like long-term vision for the business? Well, you know, right now I have the, I have the um, ability to work from home, which is great. And I'm hoping to always, you know, continue that. So we've got, you know, I've got my house, and I've got a separate building where I do all my work, which is really nice. But currently that building's also filled with a lot of personal stuff. There's camper and boat. And I'd like to get to a point where that's just my business and, it looks a little more professional than the way I got it set up right now. And, you know, there's gonna, there's a point where I can only produce as much as I can produce. And I don't know if I ever need to produce more than that, but um, it'd be nice at some point to have either, you know, a part-time assistant or a full-time assistant or, you know, have some kids that are going through, you know, tech college and they want to learn how to do this type of work, have them work alongside me at some point. And I'm, I'm just not at, a, I don't have any type of facility where I could really have a coworker working with me right now. Uh, so that, that'd be great. I would like to get into a couple, you know, the gallery I'm going to be in this year should be great. Um, I love the Western United States. And at some point I'd like to get represented by an art gallery out West somewhere and maybe even retire out that way. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, describe to me kind of like the, the gallery process. Like how do you go about getting your work, uh, featured in a, in a gallery? So there's usually a, you know, every gallery does it a little different, but there's a selection process that uh, is juried in most cases. And so you'll submit some photos of past or maybe work that you still have, and they will review it and then, you know, determine, uh, you know, if you're suitable for, for the gallery you have. And if you're, you know, lucky enough to be close, you can de deliver your work in person. Otherwise, some people ship across the country and, They'll typically hold that work for the whole year um, throughout the season, and then they get their commission for selling it for you, which, you know, it kind of hurts sometimes, but at the same token, they're doing the marketing, they're doing the packaging, they're taking care of the sales, and all you have to do is collect a check, so that's not too bad, you know? Yeah, yeah. Have you come across any, like, do they have, um, like, agents in the, the metal art uh, community that, that kind of, like, help you? get your foot in the door there or is it kind of typically always like the artist interfacing directly with the, the gallery? You know, th there may be, there may be things like agents or things that, that work like that. I haven't had any experience with them yet. You know, I haven't, 
I haven't tried really hard to do any marketing. I've been lucky enough that some of the big jobs I've got kind of landed in my lap through people finding me. And I've been reluctant to market because I can only keep, I can barely keep up the way it is right now. But I know I learned in the auto repair business, you don't wait until you're slow to market. You market when you're as busy as you can be. So I probably should start some marketing. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, man, you're, you're, you're doing something right. Cause if you, you know, you have over 50,000 on Instagram and I mean, you're full-time business without marketing, like that's can't ask for much more than that. Um, right. what is kind of, would you say has kind of been like the, the biggest challenge since you've, you've kind of stepped out onto your own? You know, you, you gotta be a self-starter and, I think I have no I have no choice because my wife still has to go to work every day and my three kids got to go to school. So yeah. I get up with them, we get them off to school. But you know, it's not the easiest to uh, to stay on task all the time. You know, I'll I'll get up in the morning, I'll go to the shop, I'll come back down here, and next thing you know, well, hey, that bush outside needs to be trimmed up. And next thing you know, you you find yourself you went around the whole house and trimmed all the shrubs or. You know, there's so many things to get distracted by and you have to be responsible to, to prevent that. Yeah. And I think, you know, another obstacle for me is I worked in a in an industry where I was talking to people all day long on the phone, in person, interacting with customers, interacting with employees. And, you know, it's just me. Yeah. <laughs> and that gets that gets that gets to you after a while, you know, so I really um, enjoy interaction a lot more than I did ever before. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No. Yeah. Do you, do you find yourself, do you like, do you ever go to like, uh, like coffee shops or just like get out of the house, go somewhere where you can like think in a different environment and then kind of come back? You know, I mean, I guess I think this whole last year kind of put a lot of things in perspective. We didn't go out a lot to begin with. And then, you know, with everyone trying to stay home and things, I, I don't do a lot of that, but you know, it is great when we go to church and if we go out to dinner or we go to an event or, you know, my daughter, my, my sons are in scouts. And when we go to scout meetings or go to sports events, it is a really nice release just to kind of see people and talk and, you know, something I don't do on a daily basis during the day. Yeah, absolutely. Well, man, this has been absolutely fantastic. I, I have um, one more question. I always kind of like to end the podcast um, with this. You've uh, obviously experienced a, a lot of success in, in, a, in a relatively short amount of time. Like, is there, is there a piece of advice or something that you've learned that you might be able to, to pass on to somebody who's maybe kind of just getting started um, as a maker or, or a metal artist? Yeah, you know, um, just try to be, you know, be as genuine as possible. It, it's easy to see what other people are doing and almost, you know, it's great to be inspired, but you don't want to emulate to be someone else, you know, um, don't worry about, you know, followers or, you know, how nice someone else's shop looks or, or any of that stuff. It, it really comes down to the end product and what you, what you bring to the table. And that's what really matters. Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite quotes is, I think it's something like comparison is the, the thief of joy. Um, it's always, you know, just, just, just judge your work on its own merits, not comparing to somebody yeah. else's. That's awesome. Right. All right. Well, cool. Well, um, one more time, do you just want to let everybody know what's the best way to get in touch with you and, uh, and see your work? Yes. I mean, the easiest way is if, uh, if you would land right on my website, it's uh, DG sculpture and design.com. And there's links in there to my Facebook, to my Instagram, to my Pinterest, um, my email address. So, that, that has everything right there that, that you would need. 
Fantastic. One-stop shop. I love it. Well, yeah. uh, man, thank you again so much for, uh, for coming on. It's been absolutely fantastic. And uh, thank you all to everyone out there uh, who has listened. Also, please be sure to uh, follow sawblade.com on all the social channels. Also, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe to this podcast. It really helps us out, and you will be able to stay up to date with all the upcoming episodes. Uh, until next time, thanks again for listening, and we'll see you.